Good afternoon once again. It's nice to see all of you. Hey, my lovely wife. <laughs> it's so nice to be back. Uh, I just had a one-week uh, training course in Pasadena, California. It's a very intensive course, but a blessed one. And uh, I'm, the more I continue to study the Word of God, the more I realize that we need it. And I hope and share, I hope and pray that uh, whatever learning and gathering I would be able to share to you so that we may not just simply say for the sake of information, but to know more and more the God that we serve. And to know more and more who we are and that we need Him a lot. Not just, we don't need Him only on Sundays, but we need Him every day of our life. So today, uh, I will not be talking about a topic about... Uh, Father, but I would like to talk about the book of Zechariah. I know it's one of the most difficult uh, prophetic books in the Old Testament. They call it minor prophets because they are not major. <laughs> because it's full of vision. So I, allow, me to, for, uh, allow me to lead you into following the message of Zechariah. And hopefully we could apply it and see the beauty of what he's trying to say. And from that words that he's saying, we may see ourselves so that we may be guided accordingly to the Word of God. One of the most difficult things in life is getting back on track. How many of you, uh, several months ago or a year ago, uh, decided to shape your muscles and form your body by going in a gym and rolling in a gym routine? Or perhaps some of you bought even a, a bicycle or or something to exercise on. Do you remember if you have done so? You, I believe you were so excited for the very first week. Yeah. Almost every day or every week you do it regularly. But something happened perhaps in the middle. You were interrupted in your routine because of a particular event. And then next week again, it has been interrupted that you completely stop. And I know you will agree with me now that you have stopped for several months. It's not easy to go back. <laughs> it's not easy to go back. Yeah, that's life. It's hard to get back on track. Now, that is the exercise. Now, imagine this. You have been believing in a particular doctrine or a philosophy of life. And then, as you continue to follow it, all of a sudden, an event in your life proves that it is not true. It's empty. Let's just imagine the Germans from East Germany. Remember, East Germany before is a communist country. They separated from West Germany. And we realized that there was a point in time, way back in the 90s, that the wall of Berlin was destroyed. Because the East German realized that communism is not working. And I'm sure if you ask them today, would you be willing to go back to that time? They would say, no. No, not at all. And how much more a husband or a wife who love each other so dearly and then something wrong happened. How hard it is for them to love each other once again. And how much more children of, I would say, many overseas contract workers in particular who left, whose parents left them for the sake of earning money but perhaps they have perceived that, not because of money, but perhaps they perceive that 
But my dad and my mom abandoned us for the sake of earning money. I'm sure it would be very difficult for them to regain respect and recognize the authority of their parents. It's hard to go back from something that you have left. Such was the situation of Israel during the time of Zechariah when God called him. For 70 years, we remember, if you remember your Bible, if not, I'm going to tell you, that for 70 years, from the year 580 BC, before the coming of Christ, the nation of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, was destroyed by the Babylonians, and they were put in exile in Babylon. And so for 70 years, many were taken to live there, not a slave, really, actually, but they were allowed to have some sort of freedom in Babylon, although they were foreigners, they became migrants. And for 70 years, two generations perhaps had come. Those people who were quite old when they went to Babylon, perhaps already dead. So now after 70 years, those who are living now as a couple, as a family, are those who were young at the beginning of the exile. And now, after 70 years, Babylon was, was defeated by the Persian, and the Persian, which is Iran today, are more politically liberal to the point that they say to the Jews in Babylon, you may now go back to your country. Perhaps you may understand what's that all about. Well, history says it's more of a political strategy so that Jerusalem would be at peace and still remaining under the rule of the Persian. So now the Jewish people were encouraged by the priests to go back. Isra, Nehemiah, and all of these guys encouraged the people who have settled in Babylon to go back to Jerusalem. Now if I were one of those people, or the, one of the fathers in those days, my first question is, why should I go back to Jerusalem? I have settled here. I, have, I, I got married. I have, I'm married now. I have my family. And I have a house here. I have a good job, although I'm not rich, but I'm comfortable here. And why do you want us to go back to, to worship Yahweh exclusively? Perhaps those young generation may not fully understand Yahweh. Because the only thing that they know about Yahweh is what the older people told them. That Yahweh was the God of Israel who delivered our forefathers from the hands of the Egyptians. And they brought us to the promised land. But also they know that this particular God, Yahweh, has destroyed this whole nation. Because they have sinned against Him. So why should we go back to Him and offer our exclusive devotion to Yahweh? And beside the God of Babylon, Marduk and Nebo, and the God of the Persian seems to be more powerful. Look at Babylon, it's prosperous. How about the city of Jerusalem? I heard that it is in ruin. I heard that there is no such thing as a, a, a peaceful government there. Most of the people that are living in Jerusalem are no longer Jews. They are inhabitants that are wild. So why should we go back? They follow the story. But somehow, because of their religion, they were convinced to go back. Not all, some of them were convinced to go back. So when they were in Jerusalem, 
another question comes into my, their mind. They started to realize that life in Jerusalem was not easy. When they came to Jerusalem, there is no economic opportunity to earn money. So they have to find out a way. They have to find an income in order for them to eat and find and build their own house. Much more the difficulty is the inhabitants are against us. They didn't welcome us. Now the priest came again to us and said, we need to build the temple, we need to build the walls. Oh my goodness, why do we need to build a temple? Is it our synagogue Bible study? Not enough. Why do we have to build this temple? Because if we build this temple, the inhabitants of the land are going to get mad. And that's what happened. They were so angry with us. So why? And this is the most irritating. The priest is asking money. They're asking for tithe. In other words, it's so hard to work here. Now you're trying to find a business and then they ask 10%. Why should we do this? Now, it is in this scenario that Zechariah was called by God. That's a difficult task. It is to bring back the zeal of these people to Yahweh, their God. To bring back their hearts to the God that they call the God of Israel. It is hard to get back on track. And so, this is the predicament of the prophet Zechariah. And so, I would just like for us to read, just allow me to read verse Chapter 1, verse 1 to 6. And then I'll read something in chapter 2, verse 10. The book of Zechariah, chapter 1. In the eighth month, eight months of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, The Lord has been, been angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds, but they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, Just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us, according to your, our ways and according to our deeds, so, so he shall dealt with us. In chapter 2, verse 10, I just like to read what is written here. Behold, behold, I the Lord come, or I will come, and I will dwell in your midst, and many nations shall join them, themselves to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in your midst. O most gracious and heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, this is quite hard for us to understand and comprehend. But Lord, by your Spirit, allow us to feel the hearts of the people in those days. And also the heart of Zechariah. But most of all, Lord, to help us understand 
your heart and your mind when you are convincing your people how much you love them. Bless us today, O God, in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. It is hard to go back. As we mentioned the returnees, when they were asked by the priests to go back, it's just like you are now settled here in UK. Some of you have your own houses. Our children are studying here in the United Kingdom. Then all of a sudden, some of your relatives encourage you, why don't you come back here? I'm sure many of us would find that difficult, although you may love to go back, but when you think about the comfort of life or the, the culture and the things that you would, and, the, and you would imagine the confusion in the country, our love, beloved country, the Philippines, it's not going to be an easy decision. So this is the problem that the return is faced. So when we are trying to understand this, therefore, it's not good for us to immediately judge the people of Israel because they're living in a realistic world. And I believe if I was with them, I, were part, I, I am part of those groups, I would do the same thing. Think a lot for the benefit of my family. And then when they came back to Jerusalem, it was not easy. They were not welcomed by the local residents. They abandoned the flourishing economy of Babylon to a not even developing country of Jerusalem, but a ruined economy of Jerusalem. And you are forced to rebuild yourself there. It's not gonna be easy. And for what sake? For the sake of a God of our forefathers called Yahweh. So it's not gonna be easy. And then, these priests and the prophets keep on asking for donations <laughs> in order to build the temple. So why ask? Why build the temple? Isn't it in Babylon we are just gathering ourselves into small Bible family centers called synagogue? Why do we still need a big temple that would cost a lot of money and cause a lot of problem? So it's not an easy thing for Zechariah to convince these people. But anyway, God has instructed him. I want you to speak to these people to return to me. Tell them, I want, I'm coming to them. I'm going to Jerusalem. And I'm going to be there. And I want them to be there. Isn't that an, a wonderful, it is an exciting reunion. For God, God is excited for the reunion, but it seems His people are not excited. Are not excited. Because what's so good about Jerusalem in those days? So Zechariah's ministry was to get the people get back on track. To make them again the people of God. To make them people who are zealous for the Lord. Yes, they know about God. They know about Yahweh. But based on what the older people say, they have not experienced the Red Sea they have not experienced the manna from heaven. They have not witnessed or testified about the victory of David and the kings. They have not seen the grandeur of King Solomon's temple. So who is Yahweh? But anyway, I was born in this religion. So, well, we are forced to go back for the sake of our religion. Many of them came back. But half-heartedly, half-heartedly perhaps, I would believe. And so what are the words of God to them? God spoke to them through the prophet Zechariah 
And this is the message. God is calling you to return to Him. That He may return to you. Well, that's, that's interesting. God is asking His people to return to Him. And the meeting place is Jerusalem. And I will meet you there. Very romantic. God is, God is uh, having a clandestine meeting with His people in the city of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord said. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Do not be like your fathers who have experienced me before, but as I keep on giving them the counsel and what I would like to do, they did not listen. And that's why they, they had a problem. So please don't be like them again. Because I still love you. Because I still want to restore you. Do not be like them. I still love my people. So you could imagine this is a God pleading to his people. Do not be like them. Because I have something beautiful for you when we meet each other in Jerusalem. And you know this, you might not believe me. I'm just impersonating God perhaps now. You may not believe me now because I'm sure that all the experience you were carried here in Babylon, you may start blaming me. But one thing I'm telling you, your father are all dead. The prophets are all dead. But the words that I told them many years ago, that the words that the prophet had said many years ago and many times, is going still to be fulfilled. In other words, my words will outlive any one of you. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to be faithful to my word. So return to me. And then, in a bunch of series of chapters, the Lord proclaimed His coming. On the second year reign of Darius, the Lord said, Behold, I the Lord come, and I will dwell in your midst, and many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people, and will dwell in your midst. Perhaps the people of Israel now living in Jerusalem was trying to help in the building of the temple when they heard this. I have heard, we have heard, that in the time of Solomon or in the time of the wilderness experience, Yahweh was with his people. Is he saying now that he's going to come back to us? Yes, basically the prophets say, this is what the Lord is saying. If you return to Jerusalem, I will be with you in your midst. And not only that, as I bless you, many nations will come to Jerusalem because they will see my blessing upon you. And I will dwell not only among your midst, but even among the midst of the pagan nations who will come to you. That's amazing. That's the great commission in the Old Testament. The gospel of salvation. The coming of the blessing of God is not only for a certain group of ethnic people, but even in the book of Zechariah, God is saying that the gospel is universal. Salvation is for everyone. Then in the fourth reign of Darius, who is actually the king of Persia in those days, the word of the Lord came again. I have returned to Zion. So now imagine four years have come perhaps. 
half of the temple or the temple has been completed. And so God is saying, now I have returned to Zion. Now I am in Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts. The holy mountain. Beautiful, the holy mountain. Because, not of the temple, but because God was there. The temple became holy, not because it's a sacred place or sacred space where people want preserve for a God, but it is sacred because indeed the God is really present. He, he calls the people to return to His ways, but He's saying, He's not just simply saying, I'll be the temple and I'll be there. So now when I'm there and you're there, I also like to call you to return to my ways. If I will be your God, then I will be with you Can you please be my people again? It's not just a matter of coming to a church and being part of a religion. But my intention is, I will be with you, but can you be my people once again? So he said, stand firm, trust and watch what Yahweh will do. Come to me, he says. Return to my ways. So that you will be my people. You know, many times, we overemphasize that to become God's people is to join a religion. Or to say a certain prayer, which we normally say as a sinner's prayer. But the intention of God is when people are saved, it is for them to be His people. That the people themselves behave like God's people. So he's saying, stand firm, trust, and watch what Yahweh will do, Zechariah said. Now listen to this. This is what God will do. He will silence the foe and bring peace. You know, in Jerusalem at that time, there were many opposition. Just like today in Israel, there is a great, I mean, um, chasm of relationship between the Palestinians and the people of Israel. It is a if Going back in time, God was saying, don't worry, I will silence the foe. In other words, I will bring peace. And you don't need to do anything. Just watch. Oh, that's the most wonderful thing to do in life. Is when you just watch what God is doing. You know, sometimes one of our futility in life is because we want to solve every problem in life. We pray to God, but we do all the action. But God is saying, stand firm and just watch. And let me do what you ask me to do. And so God is saying, I'm going to bring peace in this land. And not only peace, but I will bless this land, that this barren land of Mount Zion, it will become fertile. Now if you, go, if you happen to be in Israel nowadays, you will notice that Mount Zion, where Jerusalem is, there's not much fertile land. It is rocky mountains. But in those days, they say God made it flourish with vegetation and abundant blessing with sheep, goats, herds, and cattle. So God said, I will make it abundant again so your economy will improve just like much better than the economy of Babylon. And then you will possess all this blessing. How beautiful. 
So God is saying, I want you to come and be with me and let's live together once again. And I will bless you more than what you are blessed. How, no, more than what you have now as a blessing in Babylon. I will bless you abundantly more than you could imagine. Let us live together. That's a beautiful understanding of God. I want to live with you. Let's live together. But then he asked them as well. Since I will bring you peace, and since I will bring prosperity in this land, and since you will uh, experience the truthfulness of my word, therefore I ask of you, do the same thing. Be Be people who love peace. No more resistance, no more fighting. Because I have already brought peace among your midst. Don't go to war. Because I will be your protector. And love the truth. Speak truth to one another. Because I have spoken truth to you. Isn't that nice? The God that you worship has spoken truth to us. So he's asking us. Therefore be truthful to one another. Love the truth. Because that's the best way to live this life. A life wherein we could sleep well when you live in truth. Speaking of truth, an intermission. I was so angry and mad uh, when I was having my transit in Calgary because I have only an hour difference for my connecting flight. And normally they have an exclusive line towards immigration because you have to pass the immigration of Canada and go back again, put your bag in the plane again. But they remove it. So there was a long queue. So I was so pan- I was panicking. And I talked to some of the guys who are Canadians and whites and say, Oh, if you're in a hurry, just jump to the line. Then I asked another Canadian, to go and jump the line. And so when I was already in front, maybe about 10 people ahead, I didn't notice that there were Filipinos behind me. And they stopped com- start complaining. <laughs> Why are you jumping? You're- oh, no, I don't believe. I don't believe you. I was so angry. And so I had to be truthful to the Lord. Lord, I'm angry. But I have no choice. I have to jump the line. <laughs> and through to, through to form, when I arrived in the boarding gate, everyone was boarding already. But if I have not, list, I have not done that, then I, I, won't, I will miss the flight. That's an intermission. So God wants us to speak the truth towards one another. Another one is saying, practice justice. You know, one of the beautiful things about when God's, in the Old Testament when they speak about God's justice, it is not like a Supreme Court that He judges the error of people. But when God says, I bring justice, it means He will remove the cause of injustice. It's more of a verb. It's more of an action. It's not about judging who's right and wrong. But when God says, I will bring justice, it means He will remove the people who is causing injustice. And so now He's saying, practice injustice. Remove in your life things that brings injustice. And that's what He said. I want you to be my people, but this is the way I want you to live. 
speak the truth, practice justice, and make peace with all the people. Now, make peace with the people is not something that is new. It does not mean political peace or absence of war. But it is basically echoing the teachings of Jesus. Forgive. Because the greatest way to peace is forgiveness. So even here, the words of our Lord is being echoed in the early days of Zechariah. Make peace with the people. In other words, learn to forgive. Because God is going to say, I'm going to forgive you. Even though you're not fully convinced now, I'm going to forgive you. If you say yes, even if you are complaining and grumbling, you came here half-heartedly, I'm going to forgive you. And the sins of your forefathers will no longer be taken against you. And that's why I want you to be people of peace, the way I bring peace to your heart. These are the words of Yahweh. So God was coming. He wants His people to be His people. He was going to bless His people. He will make His city a beautiful city where the presence of the Lord will be seen. But He's also telling His people, if you want me to live among, your, among you, please live as a decent group of people. Live a life the way I would live. Peace, truth, and justice. And then finally, the Lord proclaimed the coming of the nation. So you notice at the beginning, he said, the Lord proclaimed his coming to Jerusalem. And at the end of the prophet, in the, at the end, the last chapter of Zechariah, or the eighth chapter of Zechariah, the Lord proclaimed that when I go there, it's not only you who will be there, but the nations will come. The nations, your enemies will come to me. This is the very heart of mission. You know, many times we talk about missions, strategies of mission, strategies of evangelism. But one thing we could say, unless you are able to embrace and love a sinner, you can never have a mission's heart. Everything would just be a program. So God is saying, the nations will come, and I want you to have a heart for them, because they will be among you. People of many cities will come to seek the favor of the Lord. Isn't that at times it's happening in your life, when a friend who do not believe in God, all of a sudden will come to you, can you please pray for me? Have you experienced that? People who, who laugh at your faith and your religion, when they are in trouble, they will say, uh, I have a problem. Can you pray to your God about me? This is what God was saying. People will come. People from all cities will seek you because they know that I am with you. Strong nations will come to seek the favor of the Lord. So it's not only those small towns and cities, but strong nations. He still is talking about perhaps Egypt, Persia, and maybe at the time Greece. Uh, Alan's country is becoming popular now. Alexander the Great is moving forward. He's saying all these nations will come and seek favor from the Lord. And do you know what? It is because 
of you. It is because of what I will do to you that they will come to know God. Now this is the very essence of what a Christian is all about. Sometimes we say, how can these people know God? They can know God through you. Through you. That's what the Lord is trying to say. Because of the testimony of these people, this is what they will say. We have heard that God is with you. So this is the encouragement of Zechariah to the people. You will, you will turn the world upside down. Because of you, Yahweh will be known. And mind you, this is not something new. This is the same promise that was given to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. And the nations who will be blessing you, I will bless. In other words, the objective of the Lord is to find a group of people who will be His people and through these people, the nations will know Him. And they will be blessed. Amen. So that is basically the idea of the book of the prophet Zechariah. Now if you read it, there's so many, so many visions. Now don't, don't walk your head with all those visions. It is just telling some of the things that God will do in order to restore the nation of Jerusalem. So now we come to a close. The return and the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem in 518 BC is not a fiction. It's a historical reality. In other words, there was indeed an event that happened 500 years before the time of Christ where a bunch of Jewish people who came from, Jeru- from Babylon came back to Jerusalem. And the proof of that is that the Gospel tells us that when Jesus Christ came here, there was a temple in Jerusalem. And if you go to Jerusalem today, archaeology will tell you that there indeed was a temple of Solomon. In fact, the gates are still there. So what happened in Zechariah is not an imagination. It's a reality. But the only question we need to prove now, did God fulfill His promise? Well, one thing, the temple is there. But we don't see yet the blessing of the nation. We haven't seen prosperity because since the time they came back, the people of Israel were never an independent nation. They were under Persia and then the Greeks Greeks came and then the Roman Empire came until the destruction again of Jerusalem. And now the people say that this will be the fulfillment. But until today, the people were still waiting for peace, prosperity, and coming to the nation, of the nation to the Lord. Does this mean that God is not able to fulfill His promise? The temple was there, but there is no peace. There is no prosperity. And the nations are not going to Jerusalem except for tourism today. So, what could be wrong? Did God fail in His promises? Or should we rather ask, did the people respond and get back on track? Sometimes we would like to blame God. But you notice the promise of Zechariah is 
Here's what I would like to do. But it needs faithful people who will understand God. And so, instead of asking for me, instead of asking God, whether he failed or not, my question is, did his people respond and went back to their truck? No, they did not. Because when Jesus Christ came here, the gospel tells us there were so many injustices among themselves. There were robbers. The priests were corrupt. The leaders were corrupt. And they were so exclusive. In fact, instead of allowing the nations to come and know Yahweh, they exclude everyone else. Unless you're a Jew, you can never even touch the walls of Jerusalem. So where is the failure? It seems the failure is not of God. It's the response. So my point is, that offer of God remains today. It still remains today. And that's basically the message of the gospel. But one thing, I would still believe that God indeed came. That God had fulfilled His promise. That God did came to the city of Jerusalem. He came one night in a town called Bethlehem. God came. In spite of the people not fulfilling their part, He is going to fulfill His promise. He did came. And you know whom I'm talking about. And he came and lived among men. He turned the world upside down. And he was not just an imaginary God, but some of his followers say, we ate, we touched, we see, and we listen to him. And God was here. He fulfilled this promise. But you may ask, did he bring peace and blessing? Yes, when he died and rose again from the dead. He has given the world a peace that they can never get in this world. He died for their iniquity, just as what Yahweh said in the book of Zechariah. I will forgive your sin. He did came. And how about the nations? Did the nations rally to come to Jerusalem to see Him? Yes. In fact, today, even here in the United Kingdom, even in China, even in Saudi Arabia, even in the Philippines, wherever we go, people are looking to God because of Him. He did fulfill everything. But the message remains the same. Get back on track because he has more a lot of things in store for each and every one of us so in closing have you been out of track going to a, a side subject matter we have understand what God has promised he wants his people to be on track but lately have you been out of track husbands Wives, do you remember those days when you were newly married? 
how much you enjoy loving and caring for one another. But because perhaps of some fights and arguments, you have gone out of the trap of being a loving husband, of being a caring wife. Why don't you go back and track and enjoy the blessing of God? To children, have you remember when you were still young, maybe about seven or eight years old, when your desire is to honor your mom and dad? But now because of prosperity perhaps, feel that you know many things more than your parents. Have you gone out of track that you no longer honor them? And to many of us, remember when you were newly born again Christian, you were excited of sharing the gospel to people, people that you don't know. Every Filipino you meet, you try to pull them. And this is exciting, but somehow because of the business of life, you cannot go back to it. Why don't you go back on track? Do you remember your friends? Have you been a faithful friend before? But because my faithful friend disappointed me, does it mean that you will not be a faithful friend anymore? Go back on track. Have you been a faithful follower of Christ? Yeah, many years before, I'm so excited with everything. Many frustrations came, business of life came. Though I like to go back, but I'm saying, is there a benefit, just like those people in exile, to go back to God, to do the same thing again? Well, hear the words of the Lord say, return to me, and I will return to you. You know, our happiness of life, you say many times, what makes me happy? You have found it. When you found Christ, what makes you happy in your relationship? Your happiness in your relationship as husband and wife was during the days of courtship, during the days of the romantic stage. So all you have to do is to go back to it. Learning to respect. Have you forgotten those days when in lo- because of your love for the Lord, you preserve your dignity, even your purity. But somehow, temptation is so strong. But I'd like you to know, that is the greatest joy that you could go back to. Being pure, not only physically, but in your hearts and in your mind. Go back. This is the admonition of the, prop, of the prophet Zechariah. Please, Get back on track. That people may be drawn to God because of you. Return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. Let us all stand up.